Dare we open Pandora's mystic box? To every generation, a slayer is born, except this time, there were six. This is the dimension of imagination. You are entering the mystic zone. Do you ladies see that aura? Something wonderful this way comes. Welcome to the Mystic Order podcast. Actually, we're the Mystic Order of East Alabama fiction writers. That's our full name. And I'm Mystic Gail, the Mystic Queen. I'm Mystic Marion, the dog whisperer mystic. I'm Mystic Joanne, the mystic defender. I'm Mystic Margie, the illuminator mystic. And I'm Mystic Katie, the mystic oracle. And we're missing the mystic because I'm counting there's six of us and I'm only counting five what's wrong. We're missing Mary, the nebulous mystic. She is nebulous. Is that the name of a cloud? Mystic Mary is out in the universe, saving science for the state of Alabama. Actually, she's at her retirement party at the beach. Oh, good for her. Better better than that. She borrowed my string bikini. Wow. I I can't wait to see the pictures. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so Mary is our science person, and she's one of our writers, and that's what we are. We're writers. And uh, our newest book is what, Marion? Our newest book is, wait a minute, wait a minute. Mastering? It's Mastering the Art of Wench Cooking. And speaking of wenches, let's not forget our mystic emeritus, Judy. Oh, that's right. We ought to talk about Judy a little bit. I was thinking about her today. Judy retired from the mystics because she didn't want to drive at night. That gives some of you a clue as our age. (laughs) We are of an age. But my favorite thing about Judy is when she called me up and asked me to go to the movie with her, and I said, which movie? And she said, well, let me look at my calendar. And she goes, oh, I'm so sorry, I can't go, but I hope you enjoy it. (laughs) (laughs) I can't remember what what Mystic Judy's um, power was. She was the quiet mystic, and that's quite a power in this group. (laughs) She was able to turn anything she touched into the color buttermilk. Was it buttercream? Buttercream. So she touched a leaf, buttercream. I thought that was pretty cool. And I believe she was a dowser. Is that the correct? Oh, I didn't know this. Yes. I could have used this. She could have found, she could find water anywhere using that little stick thing. Well, we could use this in Alabama, could we not? We could. Well, we could. not lately. But we've been doused enough lately. We if have you ask been me. doused enough. Well, let's talk about uh, how we got together and uh, about our books. But Margie, were you with us from the beginning when we met in the grocery store? I think I was. Uh, the Mystic Queen invited me to come to the Bruno's Rec Room because I'm a good painter, and I think they needed an illustrator. <laughs> So I went, and uh, it was okay. It was kind of sterile then. Um, But then we met there for a while, but then we were kicked out one day by a Tupperware party. That's right, because when I went in on Wednesday and reserved the room, I put our name in in pencil. This was a good lesson to me, and the Tupperware people came in, erased the Mystic Order of East Alabama Fiction Writers, and put in Tupperware. And I have not bought a single 
bit of Tupperware since, and I hope none of the other mystics have bought Tupperware, because honestly, that was just wrong. I've never bought Tupperware, not <laughs> once. We, we only use glass and reuse and reuse. We forgot that when we were meeting then, we had another mystic. We had like... The Beatles had... The Pete Best mystic. Yes, the Pete Best. Like the Beatles had their Ringo star, their Pete Best before Ringo star. We had our Pete Best. It was Carol. Carol Walmart. That's right. But all she wanted to do was write about her grandchildren. And I think, frankly, she thought you girls were weird. I think we scared her. (laughs) But it's all good. She supports us now. We're sorry, Carol. We didn't mean to scare you. That was Mystic Marion, who's our apologizer mystic. The rest of us are pretty much not apologizers. Well, that was when Mary Dansack, our our, uh, nebulous mystic, was invited to come as a guest. No, it wasn't. Oh, I thought it was. Mm -mm. First time she came, we were eating at the beautiful house on Pinedale, and she asked could she come, and we said, yes, we have guests, just like we do now. Yes. And she refused to leave. She kept showing up. She did. She was not in the beginning. And speaking of guests, we do meet on Wednesdays, the first Wednesday of every month. There's six of us. And by the time we read what we have to read and have dinner, and then the other mystics have their five glasses of wine each, it's too late (laughs) to have a seventh mystic. So that's why we don't. And if your grandmama dies, make sure her funeral is not on when the first Wednesday of the month, because you will be kicked out. It's a sacred, a sacred, <laughs> sacred evening. A sacred evening. The sacred Wednesday. Well, Katie joined us late. Tell us about your joining us. So I, of course, knew of the mystics for many years and admired you all from a distance. And I was invited once to a, um, as a guest to one of the meetings. And then I was invited a second time as a guest without any clue that I might have been vetted. vetted. And then one day I was invited a third time one evening at La Palma. And I showed up and they gave me an apron. So I was aproned. You were and aproned. so far there's not been any hazing. No. But no. I was. We're too old to haze. Thank you. I'm so glad. The only thing we're concerned about is, is you're kinder than the other mystics. And we thought we would try to be more like you, and it isn't working out. <laughs> well, I'll be glad to become less kind. Well, we I were hoping to. that would happen, but it hasn't. <laughs> well, it, just give her some time, Gail. Mm. Just give her a little time. <laughs> don't ask my children when they were teenagers. I don't think they would have called me kind. But anyway. Okay. Well, that's because you have yeah. a teenager. Mm-hmm. Well, Marion... Tell us about our first readings. Why did we have readings anyway? Nobody knows why we had readings except that I guess we wanted to hear ourselves talk. <laughs> mostly. But, <laughs> mostly. But our very first reading was at Rattle and Gord Gallery in lovely Lochapoca, Alabama. And who invited us to the gallery? Gina. Gina touched and owned Rattle and Gourd. What was that gallery like? I can't remember. That gallery was wonderful. It, it was, was in an old Victorian house with a beautiful wooden staircase and all manner of art upstairs and downstairs and the most wonderful opium bed in the upstairs on the left. An and opium bed? An opium bed. It was lovely. And Mary, <laughs> the nebulous mystic. who was Is that poppies growing out of a bed? No, no, no. It's a bed you lie on to enjoy your opium. Oh, I, oh, I see. To become more nebulous. But, <laughs> but Mary, who was quite good behind the camera, agreed one day, this was before she had the job she's retiring from now, to 
photographed me in the opium bed, and I packed a suitcase Wait, of costumes. Wait, just one minute. <laughs> just one moment. Didn't you ask me to film you in a bed one time in somebody's mansion? You've done that, too. I've been in every mansion bed. <laughs> Lee County. I wasn't going to share that, but yeah, she has. <laughs> to be photographed. That's why you're the dog whisperer. <laughs> and if I do say so, she reclines very lovely. <laughs> but I packed a suitcase of outfits and we got Gina to close off the upstairs of the gallery for a couple of hours and Mary took the most wonderful photographs that day. What kind of outfits? Harem. Oh, all of them were harem outfits? Some. They, they were linen pants that had jingle bells around the bottom and <laughs> midriff just tops. Wrong. Were there any, any of the leopard skin? I don't think I took a single piece of leopard that surprised. day. It, they won't That's recognize shocking. you, Marion. Did I take a picture of you at the do nanny in a bed? You took a picture of me in a pink bed with a pink boa at the do nanny. I see. And what is the do nanny? Oh, the Do Nanny. The Do Nanny is a folk outsider art celebration that for several years took place in Seal, Alabama, under the direction of folk artist Butch Anthony. I know Butch Anthony. Do y'all know Butch Anthony? Yes. I don't I know that I picture, do. I have a picture by Butch Anthony. It's where he bona fide an Audubon print. I think that's against the law, mm. but he painted bones over the birds. If you would ever like to see it, it's in the hallway by the laundry room. Better yet, I have a picture you took of me with Butch Anthony. Oh, cool. <laughs> I have a picture of my grandson with Butch Anthony down in Montgomery at the Makers. And there was a bearskin rug in the teepee. And my grandson went up to Butch Anthony and said, did you kill it? <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Well, Margie, tell us about the reading out at Ann Pearson's house. Were you there? I'm trying to remember. <laughs> oh, God. Margie no. is the wine mystic. I forgot to mention that. Yes, the reading at Anne's house was wonderful. She has an antebellum, really wonderful estate in Auburn. And um, it, we, it was attended by, you know, uh, we used her front porch, and we read on the porch. And so she has beautiful grounds, and uh, we had a, a really successful reading there. And we sold a lot of our books. Forget which book it was, but <laughs> it was uh, "Be the Flame, Not the Moth." And yes, we'll be yes. talking first about, book. We'll be, be the talking, flame. Yeah, "Be the Flame," which actually segued into "Be the Flame, Not the Moth," because our first publisher told us to keep it short, and so we submitted maybe five stories each, and then our we decided that the first publisher didn't love us like we needed loving. So we changed publishers, and we made that book longer. So it's Be the Flame, Not the Moth is our second book, but really it's about the same book but better. I remember about that reading was um, Marion and I both had a professor at Auburn University. Mary loved him, and I, he scared me to death. And it was the first time I reconciled myself with Charlie Rose because he came to the reading in his pajamas and with yes <laughs> with coco with coco who who was his his dog and is now my dog and i oh i didn't realize that and i can still see him walking across ann's lawn with his 
with his cane going back to the car in his pajamas. What I remember about Was that, I there? Yes, yes, you were there because you didn't like the dog coming to the reading. Remember, <laughs> you said, is that a dog? <laughs> well, can a dog buy a book? <laughs> you know, it's the same way with children. They don't have great deals of money to spend on fiction. And so, no, I don't invite children. Taking up a seat. They are taking up a seat. What I remember about that reading is that one of my friends went to sleep on the porch. (laughs) (laughs) While we were reading? That's just rude. (laughs) I I do remember that uh, Mystic Mary was a nervous wreck. She was. The microphone was shaking back and forth as she was trying to read, and she finally had to stop and say... Oh, I'm sorry. I'm very nervous. And now what? She's the head of the sciences Department. for the Alabama, and she, you can't shut her up. And you would have thought that someone who got in front of 25 children every day, middle school children, would speak very eloquently in front of a crowd. But you're right. Mary was scared. And it That's took right. her several readings before she calmed well, this, down. This was before Katie. But Katie, you're really not a fiction writer, are you? No, I'm not. I'm a nonfiction writer. Came back, came from a journalistic background. So I'm having a really hard time getting over trying to stick to the facts. <laughs> you know, journalism <laughs> is a different style, and so you tell a story that might not be true that I can't verify is a little harder. But I'm working on it. Yeah, yeah. all of us write the same way. We just change the names to protect mm-hmm. the innocent. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us some of the stuff you've written? I have helped with or written several books. One of them is, and this may be where my mystic name came from, a book called Oracle of the Ages, which was the book that Dot Moore from Montgomery wrote about a psychic from West Georgia named Mahaley Lancaster. So I helped Dot. I co-wrote that book with Dot. And then I've done a book on ground covers, all about ground covers, um, and then a book about an environmental... What, what are ground covers? Are they drunk people on no, the ground? No, no, no. They actually are plants. <laughs> <laughs> picnic picnic yeah. spreads. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then I've done another book about... Um, sorry, you're making me laugh now. About an environmental... A history of an environmental organization. And then a la- most recent book about um, uh, a Medal of Honor recipient. Who is our Medal of Honor recipient? Benny Adkins from Opelika, Alabama. Well, that is totally cool. Mm -hmm. That's a popular book, isn't it? It has been popular. I want to say that Oracle of the Ages is one of my favorite books that has ever existed in the entire known universe. I've actually read it. And being a mystic, (laughs) that would be appropriate. Maybe, yeah, maybe we have a connection. Maybe. Tell me a little bit about that Oracle. That Oracle, yes. So she was um, a really unusual woman who lived in, what's that area, Meriwether County in Georgia. And she was very famous because not only did she tell fortunes all in the area, but she told the fortunes of Tallulah Bankhead and a lot of other famous people who would come through the area. And she helped solve a murder mystery. And so she was Was that the Coweta County one? That's murder in Coweta County, yep. And June Carter played Carter, Yeah, Cash played played her in the made-for-TV movie. And... Johnny Cash was the sheriff. And Andy Griffith was the, the bad, bad guy. guy. I remember that movie. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. It was we great. Mm-hmm. I don't have any pajamas. Well, I have some harem pants you could wear. Oh, with the jingle bells? All right, then. <laughs> <laughs> well, Margie, what did you read at the first reading? Do you remember? 
I think I talked about my illustrations because in our first book, I didn't really write anything because I was had no confidence as a writer. Of course, I'm getting better <laughs> or trying to, but I had done, you are. You I'd are done getting better. each of us as our mystic selves. And at first, I did us as mystics, as animals. But our first publisher said they look too much like the fantastic Mr. Fox, and we might get sued. <laughs> so I changed us from animals into being regal women. And um, so that was kind of fun. So I talked about how I created each one of those. And I think that's what I talked about. Do you first. remember making those animal puppets, and then you told us to select the animal puppet that reminded us the most of ourselves? Yes. Well, I have to admit now, none of those puppets reminded me of myself. But y'all picked one out for me. Was it a fox? You had a, in fact, both of Margie's illustrations about you, Gail. You have like an 18-inch waist. That's perfect. Because exactly. that's exactly, listen, yes. the to the listening audience, I still have an 18-inch waist. And you've waist. got, I can see, because I have all the animal prints up on my wall. And you are a fox and a very... Foxy dress. Well, thank you very That's much. That's right. I thank was, you very much, Miss Joanne. <laughs> yeah, I was a rabbit. Um, Marion, what were you? Do Another fox. Another was, fox. Yes. You were a cat, Joanne. I was. Yeah. Mary was a mouse. Yes. And Judy was. It's in this book. I think Judy um, was a mouse or a squirrel. But now, she was dressed Katie, up very nicely. Katie, you didn't get a choice. <laughs> no. But but what animal would you be? What animal puppet would you be? Oh my gosh, I would be um, probably a horse. Oh, that's right, because you just recently went to Ireland to ride a horse. I did. Hey, briefly tell us about that. Well, so when I grew up, we had a, um, a horse that came from Ireland that lived in Alabama, and we always wanted to see where it came from because it, it was born in Ireland. So for my 60th birthday, I convinced my husband to go to Ireland with me so I could ride an Irish pony. It was wonderful. Oh my! I didn't realize you were so much older than I am. Mm-hmm. I am <laughs> way over the edge, the hill. That's a hill, not an edge. I hope it's not the edge. <laughs> way over the edge, huh? My daddy would say, "You go to hell for lying just as much as you do for murdering." <laughs> <laughs> we have had. I at the first reading read a very, I thought, apropos. Um, story, and it ran off two of our listeners. Oh, that's true. Uh, well, let's not go into that since we're in Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was completely politically correct. I um, think it's best not to mention that. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Which book was that? It was the first one. It was called The Domino Game. Okay, so we'll go back and reread it ourselves privately. Right. Well, we're going to say at the end of the the podcast where people can buy our books. We we hope you'd like to buy our books after listening to us. But um, well, let's segue into our new book, Mastering the Art of Wench Cooking. And Margie, talk a little bit about your illustrations while we think about what we want to read to the audience. Okay, so in this cookbook which, you know, we don't necessarily cook, but it's stories about food, our stories and then with recipes. Okay, so in this book, I decided, since it's Mastering the Art of Wench Cooking, I, I wanted to, to, to depict this as uh, 19th century can-can girls. So each one of us is introduces our section, our recipes, and our stories as a can-can girl. So I thought that worked well. 
um, our first book, we wore aprons, and I did aprons for each of us, but um, I, I wanted to try something new in mastering the art of wench cooking. I'm sure we'll talk about the ploy of cooking another time. But um, So they're all line drawings, and then I illustrated a lot of the recipes and stories. And for those who don't cook, Mastering the Art of Wench Cooking is a play on Julia Child's famous book, Mastering the Art of French Cooking. Of course, there's no French I recipes. I think Julia Childs would be jealous if she read our book. Oh, she would love it. <clears throat> well, Hence the French girls. I'm going to read a little excerpt from Halftime in the Johnson Hotel, which is one of my stories in Mastering the Art of Winch Cooking. And uh, for all you Auburn fans out there, this was Cam's season at Auburn. My husband and I were in South Dakota in Rapid City, and we were staying in the Johnson Hotel, and it was halftime. And... Uh, it was, as all Auburn games are, it was, um, a, you know, touch-and-go game. And this story, uh, I'm reading just a few sentences of it, is called Halftime in the Johnson Hotel. A young troubadour was behind the cash register at the gift shop in the historic Johnson Hotel. It was halftime for my team in a nail-biter game. I left the hotel room knowing I had a good 15 minutes to visit the shop and then returned for the third quarter kickoff. The elevator cooperated, and according to my watch, I still had 12 minutes to shop. Need some help there, crooned the cashier. Good here, I said, trying not to make eye contact. Where do you come from with that accent, he inquired. Alabama was my one-word reply. I know someone from Alabama. I nodded my head, thinking of the population of Alabama, and my five minutes left a shop. So, uh, have you got something to share with us from Winch? Uh, Joanne, do you? I do. And since we're talking about Auburn games, the Auburn war cry is War Eagle, and I have a story called War Cardinal. He looked like a colored minstrel of years gone by, black pate, bright dark eyes, and a red coat that ended in a tail. He became our alarm clock. Beginning in April, as soon as the sun rose, a thump would hit the bedroom window at regular intervals. A peek through the curtains would send him flying to another set of panes, where he would again begin attacking the cardinal in the window's reflection. When he began his conquest, he was a usual-looking bird, as cardinals go. His vibrant red feathers also covered his head then. But day after day, without let-up, he attacked. A continual frenzy of beating the glass. The confrontations occurred throughout the day, at the bedroom window, at the den window, and then at the playroom window. The playroom overlooked a bank covered in low cypress bushes. In the center grew a spreading Japanese maple. The bird reconnoitered in the tree, but never for long. Sometimes a female would join him and watch his raids. When he returned to the maple, he would tilt his head up and warble his victory cry or warning. His lady friend seemed impressed by his robust efforts until fickleness, boredom, or female business would call her away, typically after half an hour. And, uh, well, Katie. Yes. You've got something in our, this is the first book you've, it is my first book for, with contributions. So I have two pieces, but I tell you what I'd love to read are our endorsements on the back cover. Would oh, that be okay? please do. I just think we, we, 
I'm so honored to be in a book that's been endorsed by these three people, so I'm going to read you <laughs> them very quickly. So our first endorsement says, From the authors of The Ploy of Cooking comes another mesmerizing cookbook by the Mystic Order. Each recipe in this superb book is masterful, masterfully concocted with imagination, expertise, and fiction. From this magnus, magnum opus, one can reproduce delicious dishes in the traditions that define Southern cuisine. Move over, Paula. And that was from Bubba Moss Durant, Durant the polit political correctness coach from Charleston, South Carolina. Perhaps he knew um, Paula? Is that where that came from? Perhaps. Yeah. So the other one, what, another one is, Mastering the Art of Winch Cooking is a three-course delight, an entertaining and delectable story with dubious recipes, all served, along with imaginative and original artwork. This book is a sumptuous literary and artistic feast. Peanut De Laurentiis. Aha. Uh -huh. uh. <laughs> well, since we've made this cookbook, here's my question, and I particularly want to ask Marion. Marion. Well, we've written this cookbook, but do you think we're pretty good cooks? Well, I think some of us might be. <laughs> well, how about Mary? She's not with us today. We can be frank. <laughs> Mary, I don't believe, does a lot of cooking. Well, how does she bring dishes to parties and to mystic events? She lives real close to Publix. I see. And she did bring... Um, recipes, I believe, for candy in a bowl and boiling water. Well, that's true. We do have a boiling water recipe in Mastering the Art of Winch Cooking. And how about you, Marion? Um, have you always cooked? Well, I've always cooked, but I haven't always had a stove. I see. For quite a few years, I'd say close to a decade, I had a two-eye heating plate. Is that what you call them? Hot plate. Two crock pots and two rice cookers. I see. And that is how I cook. How many people were you cooking for at that time? Well, most of the time, two, but I did serve Thanksgiving to my mother's entire family that year. <laughs> well, which did you cook the turkey? What did you cook the turkey? On what the hot I plate? did was I invited them and told them that it would be a potluck Thanksgiving, that I would clean up the house and provide beverages. Oh, that works. So they brought the turkey. That's a perfect Thanksgiving I, dinner. I don't eat bird anyway as a rule. So no, no bird for you. No bird for me as a rule. I see. So it worked. Well, okay. Well, um, I want you to read an excerpt from uh, Mastering the Art of... Well, when Katie was reading those endorsements, I was sitting here. Peanut had called our recipes dubious... And I was looking at two of mine, serving dinner while serving time, which a friend who served time told me about. He gave me these recipes. And then this Florida man thing that's been all over Facebook made me think of Forks Over Wives. Because, what Florida man thing? Because, well, you put, you know, there's always something happening in Florida. <laughs> so you, what do you do? You, you click on it, and it tells you what, your Florida man, you know, it, it has something. Some of them are kind of sad, but some of them are very much like Forks Over Wives, where the Florida couple was arrested because the wife stabbed, threw her taco, at, hit her husband in the back of the head with a burrito, and then he stabbed her in the Say hand. Say what with his now? Fork. Start over and tell me what you're talking about. 
you Google, to, to find your Florida Man story, you Google your birthday plus the word Florida Man, the words Florida Man. Oh. And a f- story out of North Florida. Who does this? People with too much time on their hands, I guess. But oh. No, wait, wait, wait. Full, you Google your, your birthday. birthday with... The word Florida, Florida man. man. Can okay, you lie about your birthday, so which it, I have a tendency to do? Of course you could. Okay. Of course. Well, we don't know my birthday. Would so. I get the wrong Florida man in the mail if I lied about I don't my think birthday. it matters which Florida man you get. But, you know, <laughs> nobody knows whether I was born on February 2nd or 3rd. Oh, why? It's just a day. Oh, it's just a day. I've been told it's, it's just, just a day. day. So your oh, mother not even a month. Your then. mother wasn't there when you were born? My mother is the one who has celebrated February 3rd all these years, but when we needed a replacement birth certificate, it said I was born February 2nd, and they won't change it without proof. But there is no proof because the, birth, the lost birth certificate is the proof. Well, of course. So, it's, so we don't. So we have to. So just, this is why we have to continually give you birthday gifts throughout the year because you don't know when your birthday throughout is. Throughout that week, at least. Speaking of a Florida man, I recently uh, checked off my... <laughs> Speaking of birthdays... List, I went to see the Whiffin' Poofs in Florida, in Cocoa Beach. That was my... I'm not even going to say what they are or what they do. You look it up. My, my listening audience, look it up. Under Whiffin' Poof. Katie's promised to go with me to see the whiff and poofs. We'll see if don't, this Don't yeah, keep saying that because I'll start singing the song. Okay. <laughs> All right. Don't. Well, go ahead. Let's we have a look. We are poor little lambs who have lost okay, our way. I need to. Uh... <laughs> ba, ba, ba. You started it. <laughs> we are poor little We are little, little lost sheep. Lost sheep. Who have gone that is so beautiful. You can tell we're bah, elderly. Bah, bah. <laughs> we were trying to hide the fact that we're women of an age. And, <laughs> if you hear a laughing in the background, I have no idea who it is. Someone's wandered into the podcast studio. Um, well, let's find out who that is later. Um, it's the producer of the podcast studio. Oh, my God. Oh, that's what he is. Oh. The producer. <laughs> the mystic producer. Oh, mm-hmm. The mystic producer has joined us, girls. We've got to straighten up. Who is so mystical, he doesn't even have a name. Uh, well, Margie, yet. I know you, you cook. Especially, I like your story about the eggs. Now, you can't read the whole thing or no one will read the book. Okay. I'll, you know, I'll, I'll do a summary. We're, we're going to do a summary so that they'll buy the book to hear what happens. Don't read the whole story. Just give us your egg story. Okay. Or tell us about it is even better. Yes, I'll tell you about my egg story. Uh, it's called Deranged Eggs. Um, it's my longest story in the book because my other stories are haikus. So um, I won't read those. They're too short. And Margie is a wonderful haiku writer. Well, we're going to have a poetry is. podcast later, so she's holding her haikus okay. for them. I am, and I've, I've vowed this month that I'm only going to speak in haiku, so stay tuned. Oh, wow. <laughs> Which month is that? May. Okay. Oh, wait. I should do that as haiku. Never mind. Okay. My deranged egg story is about um, visiting a friend who made perfect eggs, um, and he's a very uh, wonderful man who has a beautiful place where he lives, and everything is in perfect order. So when he brought out these eggs to feed his dog, 
they were like perfect cooked eggs. They looked just like the, you know, like Egg McMuffin eggs. And so I asked him how to do those eggs, and he told me how to do them. And so I tried and failed. And that's my story. But it's much funnier if you read it. But How did they get the name Deranged Eggs, though? Because when I took a picture of my effort and texted it to my friend Kim, he said, those eggs look like they were made by a deranged person. (laughs) (laughs) Well, isn't that a scramble egg? Were they worse than scrambled eggs? They weren't. They just had all exploded. You know, (laughs) they had the whites went one way and the yellows went another. That sounds like Catalina Madalena. Well, after therapy, I decided they needed to be scrambled. They needed to be scrambled. (laughs) So I scrambled them and got a nonstick baking tin. And then they turned out very nice after therapy. Okay, after some therapy. I was going to say, you had to have therapy because you couldn't get your eggs right? <laughs> the eggs had therapy. Oh, I got you. need therapy. It's we need that's therapy. true. Yeah. Each person here could use some therapy. Not, maybe not me, but the rest. Um, Katie, I wanted to ask you a question. Since we are wonderful cooks, we were recently on TV for our cooking ability. We were. And can you tell us a little bit about that show? So it's Absolutely Alabama, which I think airs all over the state and maybe even... The world. The world, I the think. The universe. The universe. The, the universe. universe. Yes, let's go to the top you. here. Yeah. Um, so they came down and interviewed us um, and um, took pictures of us trying to make brownies from a box and it was it was entertaining. Those it, were mystic star brownies, weren't they? They were. They were. They started out as Duncan Hines. And, oh, did they? And then, I'm shocked. I had you, no idea. Can you say that on, on whatever we're on? Yes. <laughs> yes. Now, was it, were who was it who suggested that we use vodka instead of oil for the liquid portion of that? That was probably Margie. Okay. Think our, that our, was drink <laughs> vodka while we Oh, well, see, maybe that's why they didn't turn out so well. <laughs> I thought they were pretty good. That, well, they were. Didn't we use blood and, orange something? Yes, we did. Uh, blood orange olive oil, because we're different, and our brownies might as well be different. Mm-hmm. So, um, And Joanne, tell us about our host, Fred Hunter, and our cameraman that was just gorgeous, like Mike? Fred. <laughs> Mike. Oh, yes, I kept I calling him George. How do I know his name? <laughs> Uh, they were just delightful. Fred Hunter was such a gracious, I guess he, I felt like he was the host instead of vice versa. And a wonderful, He was the host. Well, and a, uh, the program, but we were having him here for dinner afterwards. And he was a wonderful interviewer. He made you feel so comfortable. And of course, Mike was just everywhere. And, you know, watch here, watch there. But we said Mike looked like somebody. Who was it? Ern, uh, Hemingway. Oh, that's right. Mike Papa, Hemingway, yeah. the cameraman. Papa Hemingway. He, yeah, he did. And we sent him home with our books. As a result of being um, on the program, we've been invited to a winery. That should please you, Margie. And, <laughs> and we've also been invited to Lafayette, Alabama. That's not right. Lafayette, Alabama? Where? where no, we? it was some little town... Even smaller than Lafayette, Alabama. (laughs) Fayette. It's Fayette. 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 Yes. Yes. It's Fayette, Fayette. Mm -hmm. Alabama. 
uh, to speak at their library on June 6th, and I think this is going to be a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. It's a, one of our many world tours. We've had one other world tour. Joanne, you want to talk about the world tour? The world tour to Mississippi to visit our friend Rita Grimsley Johnson. Rita lives in a little town called Iuka, Mississippi, which if you want to find it, it's north of Tishomingo um, in northeast Mississippi and a darling little place called Fish Trap Holla. Um, and her house is just absolutely quaint and beautiful, tucked back in the woods and furnished with everything French. Rita is a huge Francophile. And lest anyone out there thinks that's something lascivious, it just means she likes things from France. She had the most beautiful stained glass windows of... Notre Dame? Notre Dame, yes. Mm -hmm. You know, as we know, Notre Dame Of course, tried last to burn. week, all I could think about is Rita weeping into her wine. Oh, my gosh. Wine. Well, I was weeping into my wine when we heard it. Yeah. But we had a delightful time. We went to uh, the... Coondog Cemetery, very um, entertaining, very sweet of all those dogs that have gone on to the great Coondog hunting grounds. Um, and Don't forget the Apron Museum. Oh, of course. I was going to mention that. Ah, absolutely, the Apron Museum. Um, and, and they um, put us up in two separate houses. They did. And Margie got to Margie, be in the house. Yes. Tell us about your Who house, Who was in Margie. your house? Okay, well, um, Mystic Judy and I got to stay in this house behind the house that was owned by somebody named Ann, who had this huge dog that did not want anyone near Ann. But the house behind the house was just one room, and in it was a life-size uh, Power Ranger. <laughs> it was like a mannequin Power Ranger. And every time Judy and I got up, it kind of guarded the bathroom. And every time we got up, the Power Ranger would like freak us out. <laughs> well, <laughs> but who was in the front window? Oh, Hillary. Hillary of course, Clinton Hillary was in the front there. window. I, I, I've cut out of Hillary, which was great. Well, Judy and I got back to the house. Anne was in her house. We had brought her. Um, we brought her a a big wheel of brie that she put in her refrigerator. Well, we opened our refrigerator, and the only thing in our refrigerator was vodka. And so we went like, well, we need that brie. So we tried to get in the back door, and her dog was guarding it. And this was like this huge dog. It was like a mastiff or something. And so it was like, and we went, okay, we don't need the brie. Uh, but we went around and tried to throw rocks at Anne's bedroom window, but it didn't, didn't work. So we, we just drank vodka and went to sleep. Oh, that's the best, very best. Well, I think everybody's read from Mastering the Art or talked about their story except Marion. Well, I thought I'd talked about my story with Forks Over Wives and the prison food. Do you want me to talk about another one or read, no, read a bit read of it. it? Read a little bit of that story, just a little bit of, of Forks Over Wives. Of Forks Over Wives? Oh, no, I like to Some stories, this is Forks Over Wives. Some stories are too good to pass up. Recently, I came across the following one from a Florida newspaper. Names have been omitted to protect the mystics. A Florida couple was arrested early this morning after the wife hit her husband in the back of the head with a burrito during an argument over his alcohol consumption. The husband responded by stabbing her in the hand with a fork. The fork's tines were so deeply embedded they had to be removed by the staff of the local medical center. 
The story continues that deputies were sent to the home of the 51-year-old woman and 66-year-old man shortly before midnight. According to the police report, the woman was in relatively good spirits but had a fork protruding from her right hand when law enforcement arrived. She told deputies that the argument started over the man's habit of going to bars and drinking every night. It was during the altercation that she hit him in the back of the head with her half-eaten burrito as supreme. He then allegedly stabbed her in the hand with the fork he was using to eat pizza and left. Deputies reported that portions of the burrito were located on the floor, scattered on the sofa, and on a lampshade. Oh, that's wonderful. I tell us your recipe. And Katie thinks that we is, don't write fact. That's true. <laughs> my, See, my recipe is for quick, easy, nonviolent tacos. Oh. And they're made with only beans, and they're not made with meat. So That sounds delicious. And all, for all you cooks out there, if, you, if you've gotten the impression that we can't cook, well, you just need to buy Mastering the Art of Winch Cooking. If you think Mastering the Art of French Cooking was a good book, you ought to check out Mastering the Art of Winch Cooking. And um, how are we coming on our time, I'm wondering. Okay, look, we could talk a little bit more, and I wanted to because Let's when, talk about when you live in Alabama, there is always pouring, pouring, pouring rain. And the night of our opening... The night of our opening for Mastering the Art of Winch Cooking, Joanne wants to tell you about. Well, I was going to tell a, a little bit about our, our Mac Mystics, too, our sous chefs. Oh, that's right. Mm -hmm. yeah, we do have the, Mac Mystics. We have guests that visit. We do. And as we spoke about Rita Grimsley-Johnson, who's been so kind to us, um, Rita contributed to the book. Uh, she states she's not a cook, nor is she a serial killer, but she said that she's neither for the same reason. So y'all read about why that. <laughs> and then, of course, Mary Helen Brown, who is the greatest wit, I think, alive, has a recipe for womp biscuits. Um, I sent her an email recently about an upcoming event for the Chiwakla Writers Guild, which is on the 4th of May. And now, she the wrote, Writers Guild's not us. I know, yes. But she wrote back that she could not attend, but may the 4th be with you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes. Um, and then Jordan Danford, another one of our Mac Mystics. Jordan almost stayed long enough to become a mystic. He was um, going to the university here and joined us. He is an excellent writer and also a rune reader. And he's probably the closest thing to a true mystic we've had besides the mystic. That's right. Yes. And when I first met him, Jordan, he uh, had his runes, these little rocks that supposedly tell your fortune. And he asked me, did I want him to tell my fortune? And I said, um, Jordan, I know who my husband's going to be. I know who my children are. I've retired from the job I have. And the only thing you can tell me in my fortune is frightening me. So no. <laughs> and uh, so he gave me a rune, just one rune. He says, you, uh, a rock. And I think it was for wisdom, which is perfect. <laughs> but um, anyway, he said he was going to get it back in a month or at the meeting. So I was pretty sure he's going to come because the, he can't tell fortunes with just half a room, you know. So half a bag of rooms. Half a bag of rooms. <laughs> <laughs> a so room with did a view. Come and um, he's the thing that I find most 
interesting about, well, a lot of things, but is he's a math major. He graduated with honors in math, and his uh, minor was in creative writing. That's very different. And the other thing about him is he plays the piano beautifully, and he plays his own music that he makes up. And beautifully. beautifully. And just by ear. Jordan should have been a Jesuit. A Jesuit? <laughs> we better discuss it. Now he works at Publix. Publix. In the bakery. In the bakery. Which I is appropriate. I can't think of a finer person to bake bread mm-hmm. than Jordan Danford. Or those wonderful cookies that he has a recipe for in the, in the book. Not to mention the key lime pie that oh. I'm sure he makes every morning fresh. Yum. <laughs> but you were talking about our grand opening, and it did pour down rain. And all of us, and if Gail has not said this already, she is our queen because when you have six women together, you cannot have a democracy. You have to have a monarchy. And we have one. And we have one. And the queen commanded all of us that we were to keep our books dry. And as we came in, we were all wet and bedraggled, but the books were dry as bones. That's right. So, But it was pouring down rain. And I've heard that that means that either you'll be very wealthy or successful. So I hope that meant that for I thought if book. it rained when you were getting married, the marriage wouldn't last. Well, in your cases, girls, <laughs> it must have rained. <laughs> I heard it meant you were going to be wealthy or have a lot of children. And Well, in your case, Joanne, that worked. Yeah. Well, either your Catholicism, I'm not it sure did, which. It did, and it poured down rain on the day I was wed. <laughs> did it really? <laughs> yeah, it did. <laughs> I got married in my apartment, so uh, by... Uh, Delos McCowan, who is a Unitarian minister, so I'm not sure we're married, and I've not been sure for the last 35 years, but, and I want to assure everybody, 10 of those years were extremely happy. <laughs> well, I got married um, to this husband at the Oflack Courthouse before the judge went to lunch, so it was for <laughs> it sure was illegal. <laughs> well, he was had quick. a three-martini lunch. So he usually let his secretary marry people after lunch. Okay, married a lot of people. Is that legal? (laughs) Probably not. (laughs) I married the same man three times. Well, you got it right then, did you? Well, did I? I don't know, Marion. You're going to have to be the judge. (laughs) How did you marry him three times? Well, the first time we got married... We went to the courthouse and got married and went to Rusty's Oyster Bar afterward and called it our reception, and we never told anybody, (laughs) except the two people who were our witnesses who went to Rusty's with us. So (laughs) then... Well, you got to invite your witnesses to the reception, well, producer. Did y'all have oysters on the half shell? Of course. Topless. Yeah. And, topless oysters. And topless oysters and Pabst Blue Ribbon. So then my mother started saying he stayed at my place too much. Oh. So that time we got married. We got we had a real wedding at the Methodist Church in Jernigan. In Jernigan, did I see that picture? You had red roses. I had beautiful red roses that my mother's good friend Janie Green had gone to the White House and taken a flower arranging course. And in I, the White House in Washington in D.C. And I had the identical red rose. Who teaches rose? <laughs> The first lady. <laughs> Which first lady? Must have been Bess Truman. <laughs> I just don't remember. But those are my White House Red Rose collection that you see in that photograph. And um, that was the Methodist wedding. And my former husband's parents were planning to come to the wedding, but 
we started a war with Nicaragua. It wasn't Dolly Madison. <laughs> <laughs> So well, it wasn't Marion and her husband that started the war. <laughs> so they weren't allowed to leave the country, or if they left it, if they were allowed to go back in, the government might have already confiscated all their property. So they didn't make it to the Methodist wedding. Yes, they did. you mention that your no, first husband did. was Nicaraguan? My, yeah, my first husband was Nicaraguan. What was they your did, second husband? They came to the They came to the So okay, was the third they did. one. I have was your pro- second husband from have, Nicaragua? Yes. And the third and one, the I believe, is too, yes. But I have to correct that. My my former husband's parents were at our wedding, so why did we get married? Oh, I know why we got married at that third time. His mother thought that because we had been married in the Methodist church, we weren't really married. And we found out that she was crying and praying the rosary because we were living in sin, because we had only been married in the Methodist church. I would hate to think what she Not would say mention. about your marriage. <laughs> Well, me too. But um, but did you tell her you, that Hal Smith had, had married you in the courthouse? Well, she knew that, and she wasn't happy about that either. It had to be a priest. And yes. so the third time around, Absolutely has we to got be married a by a priest, and that's what caused the trouble when we got divorced, that third marriage. Because then we had to go through Mobile. And the Pope. And the Pope. And... <laughs> Every, was the and, Pope in Mobile at the time? And four and four <laughs> bishops in between. Who there. was in Mobile at the time was Oscar. And but we did have Oscar, to get Oscar, the Pope, Oscar, our bishop, Lipscomb, and Pat Nixon. We had <laughs> we had to make sure it was okay with her. So <laughs> is this because of the roses? Yeah, yes. yeah. It was Pat Nixon's you roses. Were, you weren't to use her roses lightly. <laughs> <laughs> oh my lord! <laughs> I just feel so boring. <laughs> well, Katie, uh, why? Is there Did still you... hope that maybe I can have some exciting stories like this now that I'm a mystic? Yes, of course. Sure. Okay. Absolutely, Katie. We're sure you do. No, no, no. It's just that Katie doesn't embellish on the truth. (laughs) That's That's true. But there you have it. Wait, she's the only one that tells the truth in her stories. Speaking of being married in the Catholic Church, I have a a dear friend who's just passed away. And when my first child was born, she wanted to be the godmother. And I'm Catholic, so I checked with the priest, and she's a Episcopalian, and he said, I'm sorry, but she can't be the godmother. I agree totally. Because she is <laughs> not, not Episcopalian. Not a, Episcopalian, has to be Catholic, and so she's such a quip. She looked at me, my husband is Methodist, and looked at me and said, that's fine. I know I can't be the godmother, but can your husband be the father? <laughs> <laughs> we ran into that, too. Godfather and godmother business. Well, when we got married in my apartment, we had um, four relatives of of the groom, my husband, and two friends. And Delose had this notebook, and you could pick out your ceremony. So we picked one out right there on the spot, and he goes, this is awfully short. No one's going to know if you're married or not at the end. And you'll just stand there silently embarrassed. And he was so right. We were silent and embarrassed after we got married. But it's lasted, yo, these many years. Well, I have to say, our witnesses were my two of my sons and my husband's son. And when my husband called his son and said, meet us at the Opelika courthouse before noon, he said, 
am I in trouble? (laughs) 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 And my husband said, no, but be there. Okay, well, I see we have fallen far from the mystic writings. (laughs) And I'm coming back now to... um, to talk a little bit about the mystic experience, which um, I'm not even sure what that is, but I do know. <laughs> Their experience. I think that's what we just the people I was listening. trying to think what my mystic experience was, and I decided, well, if we've been together for 15 years, and we meet once a month, and 15 times 12 is 180, and so we've met 180 Wednesdays, mostly at my house, once you agree? And I'm thinking of all that food of mine y'all have eaten, and I want y'all to invite me over for all the off Wednesdays for the next 15 years. Just take turns, and we'll be even. How's that? Actually, everybody who has been listening for the last five minutes has gotten the mystic experience because we go down rabbit trails all the time. <laughs> It doesn't take us much. I've been a mystic longer than I was married. <laughs> Ergo. Well, we should go to the White House and, and learn to decor- do flower arrangements for just us. We, I don't know we, that the present first lady does flower arranging. <laughs> I think Marion needs to bring those roses next time. Katie that job. Katie, would you please contact the White House and see if Melania Trump will teach us flower arranging? No. <laughs> Katie. No? Katie, I'll, I'm going to hold out for a, a different first lady one of these days. Okay. Well, um, I think that we need to talk about how... Or first man. How our adoring public can contact us. Where can you... Find us. Who knows where you can find us? I, bet I Marty, do. Oh, Joanne, of course. I do, I do. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Mystic Order of East Alabama. Or you, we, have a, we have a Twitter account. We have a Twitter <laughs> account at the Mystics, that's Mystics with an S, pod, or youtube.com slash the Mystics with a S, pod, or you can drop us a line at themysticspod at gmail.com. Oh, read that again to us, Katie. I don't have it in front of me. <laughs> what is wrong with you? What's wrong with my reading? How can our audience oh, find Oh, okay. Us? I do have it in front of me. Okay. I just didn't see it. All right. On Facebook at facebook.com slash Mystic Order of East Alabama. Or on the elusive Twitter account at Twitter at the the Mystics Pod or youtube.com slash the Mystics Pod. Or you can just email us. That might be easier. Um, um, the Mystics Pod at gmail.com. Great. And our um, for you Twitter people out there, our DMs are open. And you can rate, uh, review, and subscribe. Do it again. Okay. Do it again. Okay. For you Twitter fans. (laughs) Tweeters. We've had this. We've had this. About 10 minutes. Yeah. And have you ever tweeted? Uh, Well, yes. Oh, okay. Just last night. (laughs) 
You're one up on me. Just last night, I, my young son of 32, who's a comedian in Hollywood, taught me to tweet. But I've gotten some responses, and I have no idea what to do with it. But by the time our audience finds us, I'll know. Good. But and you I know, do I'm know sh- that our DMs are open. I'm taking a, a birding class, and I think I've learned how to tweet. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Anyway, if you've listened to us today, we want you to rate, review, and subscribe. We're five-star kind of girls, and we will thank you, and the universe will thank you. (laughs) 